Hello, old friend. I thought we were so happy together until you abandoned me. Ladies and gentlemen, friends, the podcast has returned. I've seen a few summer movies. I've been to a few cities, some 3,000 miles away, Mm. uh, since the last time we all got together to do this thing called recording a podcast. Micah has traversed the great white American, I wouldn't say outback, I guess that's not the right word for it. <laughs> he's he's traveled across From the, sea to shining sea. Sea to shining sea, there we go, there we go. So is Zach though. Yes. For the most part. Have. We did it in very different modes of transportation. I took a wagon. Like Zach took the scenic route. <laughs> yeah, Caught a, dysentery. A wagon? I did. A, <laughs> no, a strike powered yes. wagon. <laughs> strike pulled me on a scooter the entire way across the oh, United States. No way. It's been an exhausting yet rewarding journey from the tips of mountains to the very bottom of valleys, hollers, and ravines. Game of Owns returns. We're so happy to be here. Really good to be back. It is good to be back. You know, even though we have coming off of our live show for the season finale and a few podcast episodes that followed that week, all of that stuff happened and it was wonderfully exciting and we... Uh, traveled to our own, you know, separate uh, ways on our own separate uh, missions. But it's rewarding, you know, this whole summer thing to know that we are going to be in just a few short weeks all back together again. The summer is when we visit each other and see each other and go to cool things in cool places. It's when the port keys work. (laughs) (laughs) They begin vibrating. They attract our clutching fingers. It is really, I don't know, Eric, you're, you're talking about the, the the moments that were surrounding the end of this past season, which is going to be a massive topic of our conversation today, you're listening to our definitive owns of the season episode, which is our always, which is strange to be able to say always. I feel like I'm branching off into many trains of thought, but we haven't had a lot of time with you listeners. So now uh, all of it is just going to come tumbling out of our mouths because it's been a few weeks. Mm-hmm. This is something that we look forward to every year. And like I said, it's kind of strange that we can say now that we always do, but you've been listening to this podcast for years, and now we can say this is something that we always do, the celebration of all things that we've seen. There's sort of conclusive discussion that will will lead us into the great unknown, which, again, has really sort of become not quite unknown after all the time we've spent together. But as the years go on, uh, these things evolve. Our show evolves. The the world that Game of Thrones is inhabiting, our world, is evolving, and the way the world sees that story uh, is evolving around it. So it's really exciting to have this past month to be so magical as it has been. There's been just a ridiculous amount of news surrounding season six. Filming mm-hmm. and business has begun. We've seen yep. news of exotic locations, wonderful places, castles in Spain, all of these extras being cast. Some casting rumors about characters that are going to be in season six. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've got a new director, one that I figure Eric is going to be very excited about. And it's going to be a topic Super. of our conversations for the next year. And of course, when we see episodes five and six, that Jack Bender of Lost Fame and many other things <laughs> is directing. Just next got year. chills. Just got chills. Every time somebody says his name in correlation with he's going to be doing. You know, it's just, yes. It's cool, absolutely. right? So it's it's fun. And and if you feel the need to catch up on all the things that we're heading toward, read up at Watchers on the Wall, where you can also see 
a very hefty amount of coverage of something that just happened last week in San Diego amidst the bright sunlight and shining stars and sweaty con goers. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear many complaints about about body uh, odor uh, this year. Uh, usually, I don't know. Sometimes I get like a one tweet will pop up in my feed. Oh, the people here smell. Um, this, I you know, I honestly think that this was one of the bigger SDCCs um, in terms of just how much all went on, and I don't think people had time to complain about the smell because uh, so much was happening. Yeah, there there was a lot going on, and and that. Obviously, is is one convention that has taken place. It is the biggest of the year where all the stars seem to come out or parade around in costume hidden from view. Mm-hmm. But uh, one other convention that I think we should talk a little bit about here at the top of the show is GeekyCon 2015. And you guys alluded to it earlier that the summer is the time where we get the opportunity to come together see each other and this is going to be another one of those opportunities on saturday august 1st is when we will be doing a live show a live game of owns at the orange county convention center in orlando florida (laughs) but we will be there for the duration of the convention which i believe is july the 30th through august 2nd but saturday is the big day we're looking forward to it on the main stage yeah Yeah. it's gonna be got some street cred (laughs) quite the uh (laughs) event we expect to see all of your collective shining faces and uh i just can't wait there's so much that could be said and luckily, there's just a little bit of time between now and then. But I, I know that the fellows and I are ridiculously excited to mm-hmm. see and meet so many of you in Orlando, hang out with each other and our friends, spend some time in some strategic theme parks, visiting our old haunts and favorite spots inside of those theme parks. It's going to mm-hmm. be a good time. Zach, have you had the, the, the hot butterbeer now at the, uh, at the park? Micah, oh, have, have I? You? Have you? Yeah, I have. I had it this uh, winter. You, you you did when we were when we were there in January. Okay, Micah, mm-hmm. you have to try this. I've um, not heard of hot butter beer. You, what? Yes, we got to get Micah his fill. You'll taste the sweet nectar, and then we'll do a live podcast, and it'll be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, as you said, Zach, this is really a cool opportunity to meet a lot of the listeners. We always enjoy the chance to do that, and we actually, I I actually took a look at the page, which is filling up over on. The con website of those that are planning to attend this soiree that we're mm. doing at the uh, at the convention there center. Will be so I'm interested in what this main stage looks like. They always deck it out each and every year. They so. do always deck it out. This year, I th- I have a feeling they're going to go into overkill. They have uh, in a good way, in like a complete super oh, yeah. geek mode. Uh, this is the first year that KikiCon has shed some of its uh, you know con skin in terms of it it, it formerly named leakycon yeah it's molting and the uh, they're no longer uh, constrained uh, by uh, Harry Potter in name uh, of course there there are still going to be very passionate uh, Harry Potter fans it's still located uh, you know quite near to the Wizarding World theme park um, but uh, just looking through the schedule which we are on uh, it, you know it, it's one of the better I think one of the more interesting um whole sets as a, as a full as a full set the scheduling this year has uh piqued my interest even greater than it has in years before there's just a lot of really cool things to go and see and we're one of them we'll be bringing uh as a tradition our own decorative uh materials to the <laughs> live show as you've come to expect from us so yeah mm-hmm. i'm just i'm i'm thrilled to uh, a few funko figures yeah 
be sharing what will be, uh, I think, a, a truly epic conversation. We all know how some logs on the fire last year's <laughs> on a computer when. screen. <laughs> Let's actually have a. F- oh man, that would be cool. Hero is going to say we'll have like an own bag or whatever. Uh, because that's that's become a thing this uh, on season. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll we'll take a satchel with us and have people put their owns we in them before the show, and yeah. we'll read them out. I'm gonna Maybe hold one we'll of you guys to bring a satchel then. Uh, <laughs> see if I can. Can, can we maybe. create a fire inside of the convention center? I don't think we could do that. Yes, if you want to evacuate the entire. Listen, you know that I will. Center. All right, if the- <laughs> guys, I don't think we can talk about this. And on Eric the show. actually promised camel rides. Oh, that's right, I did. After which he'll actually eat the camel, which he did earlier this season. I did. I'm a monster. That was a great premiere party. You see, we're wrapping up season five. See how this is working? Or working out we still get tweets from people who said they've just tried <laughs> camel balls for the first time. So that's oh, brings which is a Candy, by the way. Let's it is, it is specify a most. candy. My camel burgers were not made from the scrotal region. I can more or less well, verify. You don't really know that. You, you don't really know. I don't actually really. But uh, <laughs> but no, I, I did have camel burgers uh. to start. Of course, the the season off, and then and now it's ending, and I've I've just had a, an opportunity to go and do a lot of live shows with you guys. So mm-hmm. I'm super excited about. Uh, this season, how it's how it's all sort of come together, and and looking forward to the future. Yeah, I'm already By the way, the excited future. for season six. Not not to uh, to continue off topic at all, but I did see a camel when I was uh, on vacation. I saw that. <laughs> that I is the most that, but, zen uh, camel I've ever seen. I'm listening uh, to this conversation I'm sharing with my my friends, knowing that those of you are in, in the world listening to it, and I, I can't help but to think. What a strange life this all is. And then I and I think back on the fifth season, and I think of how close we are to beginning to look so strongly forward to the sixth season. I would say that that time is arguably here now that we've had that break. And I also think mm-hmm. about what's coming after this episode for our podcast. And I'm getting excited for our proper dive back into A Song of Ice and Fire and tearing through those books. Mm-hmm. And judging from your emails, your comments sent to us, through all available platforms, you're all very excited for that as well, and uh, I can't, I can't even begin to say how uh, how cool it's been and how fun it's been. And now that the fifth season is over, I suppose, fellers, I, I mean, we should, we should. This is like the final approach. This is what we've done in years past. This is the the time. This is where we can sit back and say, okay, the fifth season's over. How do we feel? Just knowing. About San Diego Comic Con, what uh, certain actors hinted at regarding season six, which is coming up, of course, casting and filming and all that's about to happen um, or has been happening. It's just it's it's a really good place to be at coming in where to this episode we're wrapping up and then the information is there to start looking forward, like the opportunity for anyone who wants it. Uh, the news is up. The it's been reported, sort of what is beginning to take place for for the next year. So this nine month gap, uh, and we've talked about it after season four ended. You know, we knew that it would go by pretty quickly, and it I think it did, in particular between seasons four and five. But we're in that same situation again, where before we know it, season six will you know be on our TV at home. One of the things that I really liked that uh, came out of San Diego Comic Con was David Nutter, who of course was responsible for the finale of this season, the man responsible for the death of Jon Snow, more so than that poor little Ollie. This guy, and, and it's not just him, right? It, it, there's been uh, articles about uh, Benioff and Weiss and, and other actors and actresses on the series, Kit Harrington. You know. there, there's really been a campaign of misinformation uh, stating but, that Jon Snow is dead. 
<laughs> right. I will say, though, it takes a lot of balls to lie to the president of the United States. It sure does. Well. So I hope, for his sake, well, that he is telling the truth. Okay. Because David Nutter mentioned that uh, President Obama asked him if Jon Snow was really dead. Now, can we just talk about that for a second? The fact that the president is a Game of Thrones fan. Yeah. I heard he listens to this podcast. <laughs> he must, on his on his morning workout. Thanks, yeah. Obama. On his commute from his bedroom to his office chair. What do you make of that? And, and I, does that really mean that Jon Snow, as we know him, is dead and could possibly be reborn as someone else? Or is Jon Snow dead? Like, the character, the person, the actor is not coming back at all, forget about it. It was fun while it lasted. See Ned Stark. Yeah, we would start off <laughs> our season five discussion talking about Jon Snow being alive or not. This is what people have been attached to. Those of you listening at home who are obviously hardcore fans of the series, what have your casual friends said to you about the season that have watched it so far? Not friends that are casually your friends, but your friends that are your friends <laughs> that casually view the show and maybe don't listen to podcasts uh, talking about it. Anyway, what do they say? Because for me, uh, family members, friends are all like, <sighs> and, I, and I'll say with all as much traveling I've been doing this summer uh, and the fact that we make this podcast together and, and uh, I do so much work involved in Game of Thrones, uh, I this has just been... And you guys can probably attest to this too. Almost a taxing, just like okay, I'm talking about Game of Thrones again. Okay, yeah, I'm talking yeah, about John. Everyone's John just, Snow thing again. Yeah, well, they're like, so what do you think about John Snow? I'm like, well, he was stabbed a whole lot. And that <laughs> usually means that people die. His his eyes didn't turn blue. It's this is usually the same story points of I I I, I have to say that it's it's super funny that. Uh, Obama. I mean, it's 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 yeah. a it's a it's a sign of the cultural impact that Game of Thrones is everybody. You know, you get it that the president himself is uh, taking time out of uh, being the leader of the free world to watch <laughs> this television program, um, or have it you know summarized for him. Who knows? Maybe he gets morning. He gets a briefing. Yeah, yeah. He like probably got the whole what... season in advance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 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 too. Um, but uh, also just that, uh, and I don't know that I'm any further along. Every time I hear somebody say Jon Snow is dead, I kind of almost back up further, and and I'm kind of more on on team. He is not gone, um, dead and gone are two different things. We know that it's a saying. Um, so I, I, I but to be honest, I I don't know it, because it, it does. On one hand, you really do want to believe, uh, because these guys, David and Dan, David Nutter. Uh, Kit, everybody else is are, are speaking in in almost no uncertain terms, saying, "Uh, yeah, Jon Snow is dead." But then we get uh listeners to the show too who tweet at us and say, "Wait, John, uh, Kit Harrington was just spotted. Yeah. Was it a Laker game or something? He did not, in fact, cut all of his hair off." And this means I think he was this, at Wimbledon. But, Wimbledon, you know, this, this Laker game, same thing. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, same sport. He is, in fact, this is confirmation. He is not, you know, gone because otherwise he would buzz all of his luxurious locks off. So I don't know. It's just a big bundle, bundle ball of confusion. But uh, I, I kind of like <laughs> that is. enigma. I'm interested to hear, yeah, what Zach thinks on this though, because <laughs> as a, as a book reader though, I. I I can understand if people are a little bit upset because this is something that you've lived with for a couple of years and you don't have any sort of definitive conclusion to it, at least not until hopefully 
uh, the next book comes out. No guarantee it's in there, but I would think something uh, would be pertaining to this particular situation. But uh, you almost get frustrated a bit as a book reader because it, you don't want this affirmation, right? It, you know, yeah, you watched the TV show, you knew what was coming, but now you have all these people after the fact saying de- almost definitively, Jon Snow is dead. But if, if you're somebody who has been reading the books for years, you don't, you don't want to know that. You, you want to say, okay, look, like we kept your secret for – you know, since the series started, we don't want to hear this stuff right now. Mm-hmm. <sighs> right? I mean, yeah. But yeah, I, I right. think Jon Snow is too, he's too integral, or Jon Targaryen, or, or whatever you want to call him. <laughs> wow. He's the difference with Ned, and, and I think this came up on a previous show, is that Ned, although he was able to endear himself to many fans and nobody really saw that coming, he was only there for less than one book or, or less than one season. This is a character that has been integral to the plot for five seasons now. Yeah. And who we know is integral in, in the books as well. And there's so many unanswered questions about him. I mean, is he just going to kick it without ever it being revealed who his parents are? It would be bold if like that was how George chose to play it. Um, it would be bold. He's nothing if not bold. Exactly. Uh, Let's be honest, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's whether or not he's he's too integral. I, I don't believe any character is too integral to kill off, except to say that you know, with Ned's death, comparing the two, uh, it was a situation where Ned's death had to happen to make way for for you know different characters, his children all to grow uh, because his protection was no longer you know surrounding them. This, that, the other thing. Jon Snow's death, it's it's harder to see, mostly because it's much further along. But it's harder to see, you know, what characters now are going to sort of take up the mantle of of doing whatever it was he was trying to accomplish. You know, just the fact that Sam was not there to witness it. Exactly. And is on his own path to become a maester. It just still, it still feels, honestly, it feels like the person who's going to fill Jon Snow's empty or vacant seat is Jon Snow. Like, he'll, he'll come back and still pick up the mantle. That's how it feels to me. Um, that may be due to, like, obvious bias or... Just the fact that the way the the wall scenes have come off to me is like, no, John is still like this force for good. The posturing with the Night's King, the way that they looked at each other, it just seems exactly. to be, again, going back to what you said, like too big to kill, but also like because of that moment just makes me see, seem like that was vamping so much more. I, I feel like I have to comment on what you're saying about those looks at the end of Hard Home. They spelled so much. I'd like to think that there's a large payoff to that but of course that could just be uh, in the moment they were looking at each other because there was a whole lot of stress and mayhem and terror and deaths and that was the product of their situation it could have mm-hmm. not meant so much more and Jon Snow could really be dead and um, I, I liked how uh, we're, we're thinking in terms of the hole that Jon carved in his life in Game of Thrones and I, I do think of Ned and I think of how it was sort of Ned Stark's story until he passed like that first book it was very much Ned Stark and his way and everything else around it it still felt very centered and uh, the show certainly felt that way and then it sort of all took us took us all by surprise and and now we're seeing that with with Jon Snow but there's so many other places to go so the the likelihood of him being actually dead is it's a lot higher in our minds and the impact is large because we've had so much more time with him but as far as the impact to the overall story i feel that it's a lot smaller than what ned's was at that moment because our world is much bigger than it was then mm-hmm. so that's a good point 
it's 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 just it's difficult to think about because he could have some kind of majesty at the very end when ice and fire finally meet when this this conclusion reaches its final mm-hmm. zenith but he may not but isn't he ice and fire i mean he's he's the ultimate combination of the two <laughs> we don't know that though you know we don't well by blood if if in fact the the parentage of him holds true if it is one stark, stark and, and targaryen. targaryen yeah ice and fire but doesn't that feel almost too storybook for george r, r. martin I realize that that's literally what we're talking about, but <laughs> yeah. but the it could be the way that he's used the magic and the way that he's referenced these powers and the, and the way that it has its grip upon this particular mythical world. It's just too too grounded in reality for us to to be so excited about one person. Like it's it's almost shocking to me how how so many people. I would I'd probably say it's more than the people who think he's dead think mm-hmm. think that he's still alive. And Game of Thrones has done nothing but tell us that. You know, people, when they die, they die. Not necessarily in the face of being brought back, but just for the fact that we get deaths of serious people and we're supposed to deal with it. So, okay. But that being said, I think that there's a grand possibility that Jon Snow is still alive <laughs> yeah. uh, because I think that he has a lot to do at the end of the story, hopefully. And I think that so. Melisandre being there and I think that the, uh, the Night's King look, there's so many details there's so much evidence uh that would make it really really cool and so all the these definitive statements david david nutter to president obama um saying that john snow's dead <laughs> kit's kit uh harrington on uh every news outlet saying that john snow's dead etc mm-hmm. it, it could mean john snow is dead and it could also mean that whoever john snow becomes will be very much alive sure all of that being said this could very well be the grand setup of a character that has been so much in the background, a lot like how the story began, mm. Sam Tarly. This could be this could be what it took in in the arc of his life to build a very believable situation where a young boy that was mistreated by his father uh, was sent off to the wall. And how could he ever how could he ever do anything that would help the realm? Being stuck at a point where they're going to be ran over by the great white ice threat that comes from the north. Mm. They're going to be the first people taken out. Dare but he I found say plowed, a way. Plowed over. <laughs> yes. It's a snow thing. Yeah. But he found a way. He helped his friend become elected to mm-hmm. lead the order that he was it's all his fault. Now it, sort it, of enslaved it, by. <laughs> you know? Like he, he, he helped Sam the right create this world call. where Jon Snow could could give him the okay to leave and head south. So Sam is uh, now heading south with all of this information. Very self serving. Yeah. With all this knowledge. Oh, this whole getting John elected thing. He could be, he could be, uh, I think that Sam's going to have a, a very, a very decisive position um, and the wars to come. You know, if, if this be the end of, of Jon Snow, I do look back at the small victories that occurred and, you know, what are all of our lives besides small victories here and there until, yeah. until we're dead. If this is the, the final moment uh, for Jon Snow, bleeding out on the snow, you know, having been the recipient of a mutiny um terrible way to go but at the same time this is the same season where we have his mercy kill of mance in the beginning you know basically laying down his brand of justice and what is fair and what is right and not giving two shits really about who is in authority because he's going to do what is right he is ned's son truly he has that this sort of morals and that 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 code 
that comes to you know into play all throughout the entire season and and does it you know end up getting him killed yes uh questions whether or not he's still dead sure but i mean even with with sam you know the interactions everything he the negotiation with stannis and what he does at hardhome which is obviously a, a much bigger victory um you know just getting out alive but it's it's all they're all good things that affected a lot of people and and that is his legacy. Should it should it be his legacy like forever? Like he's not going to do anymore because he's gone. Fine, but the stage has still been set for the battle to come. And with you know again with Sam learning more about the threat and and being able to do that in a place of safety because he's never really truly been safe at the wall when the other brothers you know don't really like him and especially if John's not around to protect him. You what know, makes you think he'll be safe in Old Town? Uh, he can hide behind it. There's so many books there that he can hide behind. The <laughs> he books. can hide behind the bookshelves. He can hide behind the bookshelves. Yeah, yeah. Oh, those man. are all great points, and and I certainly wouldn't forget about what he does to Jano Slint as well, because I think that that was a defining moment for him, and and following through on what he said he would do, and mm-hmm. also avenging Ned uh, in in a way, and it, it's it's really, you know, maybe he in the show doesn't know how responsible Slint was for Ned ultimately being beheaded mm-hmm. in season one. Uh, I think it's made much more clear in the books, but uh, if there there is a, a feeling of, of retribution, at least I would hope on the, the viewer's part to know that those that have been responsible for these transgressions in the past are finally getting their due. And Slint was... Reading was a coward. Uh, he, he showed that and he only cared about himself. And even Thorne uh, was somebody who you could tell had this deep loathing for him towards the end. You know, he stands out of the way and allows John to carry through uh, with what uh, he's decided. Well, and that's partly because of John, I mean, appointing him first ranger. Here's the thing about keeping your friends close and your enemies closer. Um, you know, turns around and appoints Thorn his first ranger, and there's that moment where they're outside the wall waiting to be let back in, and Thorn allows it to happen, and and there's that tr- sort of trust, that uneven um alliance that that obviously runs its course throughout this season. But it John as a leader was really exciting to see Thorn. You just never knew what he was going to do, but I think everybody approved of the death of Janice Slint, as you're saying. And that was just another one of those things that he did. I know we talked about Thorne, uh, I think in the last episode, I just disappointment. Yeah. I'm just bummed about it. You know, he had a chance. I loved how it was going. It felt so great. And then this. Mm. Yeah. But I mean, if you think about it, so how many other people had like direct hands in Ned's death and that are still alive because Slint is killed. Trant died. Um, this Joffrey's two. dead. Joffrey's dead. Cersei uh, is still alive. That's uh, yeah. Baelish is still alive. Yeah. So there's still a few there. But just just to kind of tie a bow around John, uh, I would say that I believe his purpose to be much greater than just what we saw at the end of this season. And I think that if for nothing else, his death. And, and how the season ended allows him to be absolved of his allegiance to the Night's Watch. And I think that that's really important for his character to move forward, to reach his ultimate endgame 
whatever that might be by the time the series wraps up. And the reason why I believe so strongly in that is because his last word, and I think I mentioned this uh, in a previous episode, in in the book, in A Dance with Dragons, is Ghost. Mm. It's not Ollie. Ollie. <laughs> Sorry to Ollie. burst anybody's bubble. He's he's, uh, he's gonna he's gonna come back as a ghost now. Just comparing that to the prologue of A Dance with Dragons, which is about a character named Varamir Sixskins, which I think we've met. Yeah. Uh, that's and awesome. So yeah. just knowing that there is importance in those that have the ability to skin change or to warg, uh, and knowing the importance of prologues to the, the books that yeah. they accompany, yeah. mm-hmm. I think that it's not a coincidence. And I think that we will see ghosts. We may see John as a part of ghosts. We may see other things happen uh, to John as we knew him. And hopefully we'll see him at some point in the future because I just feel like he's a character that's too important. It's a great yeah. cliffhanger to have at the end of a season. I think that this was you know, an, just finally a finale that delivered on so many different levels. And uh, just, just a season, I would say, that started relatively slow. I, you know, I was talking with somebody from um, work who said that they binge-watched the entire season and, and they felt like – you know, kind of the first half of the season, you know, it took a while to kind of get into the the ebb and flow. But then those last couple of episodes, man, they really just turned it up full. I don't know, like <laughs> they cranked it up. Well, I was going to ask. Well, we haven't. I mean, what 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 did you guys think of season of the, five of the season as a whole? Yeah, like how did it? Like you step away from it. How do you feel about the fifth season? I I feel I feel most strongly about the characters that shown in terms of seeing their arc run further. I think I think the people the characters with that had the strongest arcs, John, Arya, um, are the reasons to watch the season or are the I guess the highlights. I I kind of see like how was this season? Well, this happened to this, and this happened to this. Is like how I differentiate. The entire season looked gorgeous. There were slower parts. There were places that we didn't see as much of as we thought we were going to, like Dorne. But as as a whole, there were still amazing moments. And if you were to count them all, uh, what you what you and it's totally like subjective of what you'd call an amazing moment. But if you were to really count them all in each season. This season had as many, if not more, than previous seasons in terms of awesome moments. I mean, the Doom of Valyria, uh, Danny and the Dragon, every everything, and then of course the character moments I was talking about in Hard Home. And this, it's it's continuing to go strong if you measure it in terms of uh, awesome moments and not in pacing. Um, but Mike, I guess your your conversation was more about pacing and opening the season up with with Cersei. Of course, Cersei had her whole arc, and I, I don't know if it's a necessarily a slower arc. Um, but it is sort of heavier. Um, it deals with a different subject matter. You know, to have a character actively fighting fate or a prophecy immediately casts a shadow over the events of said season and event and then and, and things. So I don't know, maybe it's just a difference in, in how the story was unfolding. It's still the same story. It just uh, was told a little differently. It was haunting. Mm-hmm. Foreshadowed by that opening. Very much felt like a prologue something we haven't seen before. It felt almost out of place in a series that we've grown to know over the course of 
what, what had been four seasons at that point. And it's something that will happen in the sixth season. We will see a very similar approach to storytelling and whichever way that mechanic is utilized, we can't be certain of as of yet, but uh, that's, that's just, it's, it's really neat. Really, really neat. I think that the fifth season was not what people were expecting in a lot of ways. And I've said this before, either in private conversation or uh, sort of tidbits scattered across the podcast before, but you know, this is a show that is ran by some severely brilliant people, and uh, it is it is being put on a very bold and courageous network. I would say the most bold and courageous, and it's carving a path. You know, like it's so cool that the path is being carved by this kind of story. Yeah, it was something that spoke to all of us, everyone listening. You know what I'm saying? You understand? So how how cool is that that this has happened? I think it's just so cool to see uh, a season like season five get created that missed a lot of a lot of places that people you know like I've said before it wasn't as sensational as the fourth season and a, a mark of a true fan of this series expects something even greater and grander uh, in the in the season that follows you know yeah of course absolutely I, I think honestly people got a little bit spoiled uh, with, with because season three and season four were really the same season and there was there was a continuation factor and you got these unbelievable moments these unbelievable episodes and we spoke so much about it that half the episodes were episode nine caliber and to expect that you would be going into season five and getting the exact same thing or better they had to reestablish they, they had to build a place like Dorne and get you to really understand and know the characters there. They had to really fully introduce Bravos to you and get you acclimated with the House of Black and White yeah. and Jack and Hagar and Arya's storyline. And even out east, you know, Marine was a city we saw bits of last season, but now you're getting a full taste for the Sons of the Harpy. Yeah. for the internal political strife that's going on there. And then, Eric, you mentioned there was a lot of character building that went on this season. Uh, Cersei is first and foremost at the front of my mind from the very, very start of the season all the way through to the end in her walk of shame. And if you follow everything that she went through, uh, looking at her interactions with the High Sparrow, looking at her interactions with the small council before she dismissed most of them Mm. with the queen of thorns with marjorie with tommen it was really her season more so you know a lot of people are going to say it was john's season i think you can make the argument it was her season yeah i mean i think i think that argument can be made but in the end there are just so many characters that it's everybody's season yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, not, and that doesn't downplay, of course, the walk, uh, and her, and her character arc at all. It's just that this season exists, uh, outside of people's expectations. And th- that's exactly what a, a, a show of this caliber should do, uh, that's true. is, is that's continue true. to carve its mm-hmm. own path. And, and what does it mean in the end? Whose season was this? What characters, you know, in, in the end, they're just telling an extremely multifaceted story. And they have such talented people doing so that to be along for the ride is 
is a really wonderful experience. It, it sounds a lot like, and I know we haven't gotten into these yet, but from all that I've heard from our listeners, whether in person or through correspondence or from friends that are also really into the series, it, uh, season five sounds a whole lot like creatively books four and five. Not just subject material, mm. not even subject material, because I don't know, but uh, in the way it feels. And I think strategically in my mind how A Storm of Swords was and is such a, a huge uh, hallmark, you know, just a very big part of uh, Song of Ice and Fire. And I got to think that books six and seven, maybe both, maybe just one of them, uh, are going to completely transcend that. You can't think that that uh, that's that's as good as it's going to get. That's as much meat and potatoes <laughs> as is going to happen in the story. So this 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 sort of refueling that we were kind of uh, in our brains, just sort of putting out in the air right now in our conversation, uh, that has happened. You know, three and four happened, and it was you got to think that that was that was two years and change that we're that Game of Thrones is floating in this sort of beautiful hazy golden uh, moment. And that's a long time for people to get used to, to something and to get spoiled in. And I'm not sure that it's going to be limited to just the fifth season. We don't know. I'm I'm really glad you brought that up too, because it, not to I mean to tie it to, to, to Lost again, kind of the the end of uh, Lost. What they did in the third season out of six is they set an end date to the series, and it was a situation where they decided exactly how many episodes they had left. Um, in which to tell their multifaceted, crazy, mythological, you know, story, masterpiece, everything. And however, I, I say there are definitely parts of Lost that feel rushed uh, with, you know, in terms of answers and there's episodes that they, they, you know, things seem to fly by. But even though Game of Thrones, you know, speculation is seven season show, this, that, the other thing, they still dare to have character arcs that have cliffhangers that really feel like parts one of two uh, or that, that basically storylines that are clearly going to extend into the next season and have whatever happens next season be a result of, you know, the story is still Grey Worm and Masande, for example. Yeah, Grey Worm and Masande. I'm thinking especially of even Dorne. Because to end on the yeah, cliffhanger, to, to end on the cliffhanger of Marcella's death like that, it just, it throws, it almost throws everything away that we've seen Dorne. We didn't see Dorne all that much this season, but what we saw, we wanted more, we wanted more, we wanted more. Except every single one of those character relationships that we saw this season and Dorne is going to be different mm -hmm. now that the the culprit has come out of the woodwork, now that the, presumably the murder has, has been definitively pulled off. This is all going to change. I mean, I, I really can't see Jamie doing anything other than turning that boat immediately around. Um, but even if he doesn't, how are the princes of Dorne going to react to it? And and everything. It's this is a two part story, or there's there's much more. And I, I just like again going back to Lost that that the Thrones is not feeling rushed at this point. It's actually still spreading its legs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's whoa. <laughs> well, well that's you know, well and that's great I mean, yeah you could do that think about it though we're, we're we just finished the fifth season and then that is very much the case that is that is what has happened I, I think you don't need action death blood every single episode i think there was plenty of that in the finale mm. but I, I do like the season as a whole because as was already mentioned 
you got character development. You got, more importantly, history, right? I'm thinking about moments the like Barristan talking to Daenerys about Rhaegar, about Baelish in the crypts of Winterfell, mm-hmm. talking to Sansa about Lord Wen's tourney at Harrenhal, the story that Roose gives to Ramsay about how he was conceived. Jeez. You know, Aemon talking about Egg in his dying moments. Uh, Even setting up Bronn that he was married to Lawless Stokeworth. They didn't have to do that. Bronn could have just shown up outside the door after Jamie spoke with Cersei. And, yeah. and even Stannis, for as much as we loved, hated him this season, <laughs> that moment that he had with Shireen talking yeah. about how he did everything in his power as a father to try and save her life. And there's probably countless other examples, but those just stand out in my mind. The fact that you get all of this backstory in some cases, you know, these character building, character defining moments you need that because you're supposed to be able to sympathize with them on some level or equate your feelings with them. And that's why when Stannis turns around in the next episode or two episodes later and does what he does, you go from absolute admiration to complete and other shock and (laughs) detestment of his character. The characters that had their their downfalls uh, this season weren't necessarily the characters I was expecting to have their downfalls, right? I I, I really genuinely felt that the the Bolton threat would be eliminated um, by the end of the season when we were going in. But that's still the whole uh, Sansa, Theon, Brienne, Podrick in the north with the Boltons still, you know, not defeated and still going and still going strong – the character development that we've seen in this season is clearly building up so that it can pay off in the further season. But all of that setup with the mythology, with the looking into the past to inform the present, all of that stuff is just going to, to come to a head. And I, I really feel like this season was, in part, uh, just a wetting of our appetites for the new directions that the show is going in. It's, it's kind of like the books are... As you mentioned, Zach, you know, books four and five have been told to me as being like a shuffling of the deck. You're building up to another great, you know, just sort of uh, domino set of occurrences all across Westeros. And that in many places, even though it was 10 episodes to tell the story, they've really carefully placed each of the characters there. And that was all they did is continue to carefully place these characters where they're going to be you know, where the where basically the rest of their, their fate is uh, for what's coming. Bravo for doing that to a TV series where other yeah. humans may edge toward the safe route, which is what works, which is what we know will be viscerally successful. We've all seen, as, as the people who listen to this podcast and as us here who are kind of people that would make something like this, adaptations of of grand authors putting together wonderful tales in a medium as blank slate and as customizable as a book being taken to different mediums and having the soul of it be taken out. And I don't think that that's going to happen with Game of Thrones. And that's outstanding because Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, is one of the best. I've seen it, things close to my heart, be mistreated and disrespected, and it sucks because there's nothing you can do about it. But I don't think that that's happening. Of course, there's there are things that haven't been adapted, uh, and there are obviously always going to be things to complain about. But I'm confident in saying, as a whole, I, I believe that when this is over, we're, we're going to be able to step back from this and look back at 
the volume as a set and just be proud. I hope so. I think that you know the, the bar just keeps getting raised each and every season. And how do you outdo a finale like the one we just saw? And I think that if anybody can be entrusted with it, it's these two guys who have been with it the whole time. And with input from George R. R. Martin, we know that he's not going to be writing for season six, but hopefully that's a good thing because it means that he's writing book six mm. and uh, we can get that sometime soon. But what, what do you guys think, you know, before we dive into our owns of the season and get to the listener owns of the season? Oh, shit. We have to do our owns of the season. Oh, crap. <laughs> well, I'm glad you came prepared. You've had a couple oh, weeks, Eric. And I, I, I'm interested to know, like, wh- what do you think of where we've left some of the major characters and in terms of how season five ended? We've talked enough about Jon Snow, uh, but I'm, I'm interested in you know, Cersei, Arya, Daenerys, what we would consider to be major players. How does the North play itself out now with Stannis being defeated? I think they're... There are questions we could probably spend entire episodes on, but Definitely. I just want to know quick thoughts. You know, kind of going through that map in your mind, Eric. You just mentioned Jamie may turn the ship around and go right back to Dorne and start killing some Martells. Yeah, I, I think I think that would be advisable. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe getting some backup would be more advisable. But I, 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 I see Prince Duran bending the knee, unless he's secretly behind everything to begin with, and that explains his naivete in letting Laria escape or letting, you know, sort of pardoning her in a way um, to do that. Unless he was behind it all, I fully see him supporting sort of the the capture of her. And, and I guess now they've got to round up the Sand Snakes again. And I, I don't know that that's certainly a plot line that I will continue to look forward to uh, in the coming season. Cause in the end I, I like Dorne and I like Alexander Siddig and I want to see more of him, but uh, regarding, I mean, Danny in particular, like her, her end was also shocking at this season where, you know, she has a really good setup in Marine now, but she's not there to witness it. <laughs> and the implications of sort of being surrounded by what we guessed is a Dothraki horde and just the fact that, that Tyrion is sort of taking her places and being in command, really just one of the strongest, uh, Again, plot plot happenings, the way you mentioned, Micah, we saw the the internal political struggle of the people and and that was just a really great uh sort of look into. But but Danny, I mean, I think that she is is whoever is in charge of that Dothraki horde is is either going to be an enemy or an ally, and it'll be interesting to see in sort of the time it takes the guys to find her. Um, what the relationship will be, how she, whether she's a prisoner or gains some sort of uh, recognition, respect again. It's because she's essentially by leaving the seat of her power, she has been removed from from power. Just the fact that she is not where she owns, she is not where she rules. We may have to see her eat another horse heart. She's like, okay, I did this once at a party. I, I, I can totally do this. Fine, <laughs> but I mean, there's there's characters too that slip by. I mean, Olena, Baelish, they're kind of there one second, the next second they're not. Baelish got around, which was really exciting. But Olena, again, you're not sure sort of where she's going to come out. I guess I'm most interested in where Olena comes out, bets out, because there's still some sort of mystery about the boy, which boy Baelish may have talked to her about, and, mm-hmm. and that kind of. And Tommen, like, 
just the fact that he was not seen after the third, you know, or fourth episode, like how severe was his hunger strike? Is, is he in danger from the, this high sparrow? Like these are characters that actually have disappeared for several episodes and we don't know what sort of their, we don't know enough to guess where they're going to be in the next season almost. I would say Varys is another who just popped up uh, at the end conveniently after mm. everything that happened in, in Dasnak's pit and is there seemingly for the foreseeable future to serve Tyrion and help him out. Mm-hmm. And I, I still believe that both he and Baelish are puppet masters, power players, whatever title you want to give them. CR Collected Works. Go yeah, listen to other episodes. Two sides of the Bravosi coin. Oh. The list goes on. Yeah, they they are just playing at a level above anybody else. And I kind of like the idea now that you have Baelish in Westeros and Varys in Essos. Uh, I don't know how that's all going to work itself out, but I also like that you have the really southern city of King's Landing, kind of southern, and (laughs) the wall, both really without any sort of leadership, right? King's Landing, and we talked about this, I think, in the episode following the finale of, of just how much disarray it's in. And yeah. I could say the same thing for the night's watch. I mean, and, and, and we don't even know, you mentioned characters that have kind of slipped in and out. How's Tormund going to react to what's happened to John? Right. I, I don't, I don't feel like he's just going to sit back and, and kick his legs up and be fine with it. Yeah. The current members of the night's watch aren't going to have much steam to go against the wildlings they brought over. That would be a very, very bad decision. One, they're outnumbered. And two, what much more do they have to fight for? I think they're going to leave it with the murder of John. That's that's interesting. I'm not sure how that's going to play out. But You're I don't right, know if is... we'll have much time to deal with it, though. because uh, Before the White Walkers yeah. descend upon the realm. I mean, that's There's a so huge much. threat. Yeah, because of how outnumbered the Night's Watch is at this present moment, and uh, they're not going to be restocked anytime soon. Not restocked, re- resupplied. <laughs> Whatever it is, filled, filled up with more people, new recruits uh, anytime soon. They're going to need to keep a, an uneasy peace with the, the wildlings. How are they going to do that when they did just murder the, the man who brokered the peace to begin with? Well, they're not going to avenge John. Tormund you know, is going to be upset about it, and something may happen there, but as a collective as a whole, they're not going to turn around and avenge king crow yeah yeah but i mean in terms of just dealing with the threat from the north they've uh, the wall has lost the number one spokesperson who could actually reach you know these people and yeah, sort of those guys are a stupid mess <laughs> yeah it's just, it's it's gonna be pretty bad I, I think the wildlings will be fine um but the the wall it's i don't know i don't care i just want dollar said to make it out all right yeah please i guess that leaves us with just one thing to do it is properly almost that time we'd love to spend an unlimited amount of time discussing just looking uh, at our notes and and, and just thinking uh, of things while i'm hearing you speak micah and hearing you speak eric i feel there's almost infinite threads and and almost infinite uh approaches to how we could talk about certain things and and which certain things we could speak about and i'm very thankful that we have uh, a, a large stretch of months before a new set of things to talk about brand new fresh approach to the tv show is available to us because we're going to have plenty of time uh to speculate in and out and between what we will be doing with song of ice and fire and uh i'm also kind of sad that 
this is going to be the last moment uh, where we take in owns from our listeners for a very long time uh, for new things from the TV show. But I think this is arguably the best one, right? Yeah. This is, and these are, your owns of the season. And I, I do have mine. <laughs> All right, let's hear it, Eric. I, I do. I, do. I, I was looking at... Uh, Set the bar high. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I don't think it'll be at all surprising to recurring uh, listeners of the show uh, who receives my own of the season. Although, <laughs> to be fair, in the past I've given it to the likes of Davos for learning to read. Oh, yeah. And a number of other uh, non-Theon people. But uh, in this own of the season i'm going to give it to uh theon he's still got a way to go in terms of recovery uh here uh, getting sort of inside his own head or out of his own head whatever the saying is to be healed by all of the abuse uh he's taken the first step uh basically on the path back to righteousness or redemption and uh, particularly the moment in when he when he did this is very vader and the emperor throwing down the shaft of uh miranda um, sort of over over the rail she went, and that uh, thud was oh so satisfying. So, um, it was. particularly his overthrowing of, of Miranda, um, Theon received my own of the season. There's nothing quite like that satisfaction of there's just sort of the heightened stress for the Sansa storyline and how quickly that was put to an end. So that was pretty good. Thanks. That's pretty good. I feel good being able to give Theon yeah. own. Uh, again, Theon, your Theon, Theon. Greyjoy. That was my Theon. It was your own of the season. For, for many seasons, we couldn't. I, I just he didn't. I mean, he was he was being tortured and and not free to act of his own volition. When he shot that wildling, that was pretty badass. Yeah, that that could have been a contender for own of the season back then. Maybe. <laughs> All right, um, my own of the season. Damn, here it is. It's crazy to think about. <laughs> I would have given it to Cersei just because of everything that she did this season from start to finish with the prophecy all the way through the walk of shame. But there was one moment that really stuck out in my mind thinking back on all 10 of these episodes. And it does go to another female character who we actually never met um, by the name of Liana Mormont. <laughs> and it's for the line, wow. Bear Island knows no king, but the king in the north <laughs> whose name is Stark. <laughs> yes. And just... Yeah. That entire episode had so many little nuggets related to Jon Snow's potential parentage. And uh, there, was, there was a mention, I think. Um, I think that was the episode where Rhaegar was talked about a lot, the tourney at Harrenhal, uh, as well as um, Maester Aemon when he uh, – Yeah, it was the fourth episode. He mentions uh, what a shame it would be that there's only one Targaryen left in this world. Oh, in comes And then Jon Snow <laughs> walks right in. So uh, well done on the part of the showrunners and the director on that episode. And um, yeah, I, I, I just love that line uh, from Lyanna, uh, conveniently from a Lyanna. Man, she didn't even have to, to show Snow. up. She just wrote a letter and that yeah. made the own of the season. Hey, anything is a fair game here. <sighs> Zach? This is hard. This is very, very hard. You're I, I am stalling. <laughs> I want to say that I know this may be something I get laughed at for, but it's difficult. You know, you could you could give the own to Jorah for that spear toss, right? Mm, yeah. yeah. That was you, you certainly could. That was that, gnarly. Uh, man. You could give the own to Braun for being quite the snake charmer. 
I just got that snake charmer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was thinking long and hard, and I was like, okay, okay. I mean, you could you could almost give the own to uh, to Ramsay for, you know, they took over the North, and then he married the oldest Stark daughter. Yeah, I, I mean, really debated that. Talk about them doing well in the face of all of the bad karma they've sowed their entire existences. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's difficult. There's a lot here. This has been a powerful season. There's been small moments like what I just mentioned where something interesting just happened. And there has been things like Mr. Eamon referencing Egg as he passed. And I could be here for the next five or ten minutes, like literally just thinking out loud of of how interesting it could be. And I hope that so many of them are covered uh, in our owns that we read from the ones you guys have sent to us. They will be. I hope so. So I, I feel sort of bad about this, it being so non-specific and I guess so obvious. But uh, when I heard the dogs barking in Hard Home and I, I, I saw the mist billowing, uh, I had no idea. I was like, oh, shit. Damn. How about this? How about this thing to happen? How about... Four horsemen on the top of a hill. How oh about the most brutal, non... You, you can't hurt these things. They're just going to come at you with full steam. Forget everything you've ever seen in scary movies where the villains or the creatures that are approaching you are powerful uh, or have some kind of weakness that is hard to discern. These things are born of what appears to be relentless evil and want you to die. And that was just the smallest interesting bit and by dying, of hard home them. yeah yes that it was would, the... it would be very suspect if b- between three of us if one of the owns di- of the season did not go to hard home yeah. because it was just a a i don't want to say game changing it was such a i don't even want to say pivotal it was just <laughs> such a big moment okay it's yeah. one of the it's clearly one of the biggest sequences that will ever take place it's clearly the most important for setting the f- things up for the future, and it's just so badass how ex how it was executed. Like that was cl- that was a that was that was the own. I mean, that it was, was like years of buildup for for a fan of Ice and Fire, essentially, and to see like that White Walker walk into the hut through the fire and uh, just be what he is, and for all of that to be what it was, and for all of it to happen like it did, I've never. I don't think I've ever felt that way about anything that I've ever watched. Uh, I definitely nothing that I've ever watched before. Uh, hard to say about things that I've read because I don't really think that you can compare those feelings. But mm. to get that kind of emotion out of watching uh, pictures on a television screen is mm-hmm. pretty damn weird <laughs> and crazy and interesting uh see our hard home episode we recorded minutes after if you're interested in that but i just uh to end this long-winded own of the season i think it's just proper for us to be like holy shit and yep. uh i hope that there's so much more uh like it to come it's going to be fun so hard home um you you did you did things and uh yeah <laughs> that's all that's all i got wow it's crazy to think that the season's over and and now we're heading into our on season with Storm of Swords and season six. We'll be talking about it before we even know it. It's know. just – I just remember talking about season five, how great it was going to be, how exciting, looking forward to all your reactions to the major moments and now in what, 10 weeks, a little more than that, we're sitting here on the other side of it. We're all in the same boat, 
on Gendry's boat rowing along. <laughs> we are somewhere. We in, don't know uh, Blackwater Bay or the Straits of Bravos. <laughs> Who knows where that guy is right now? But that's something that I'm really looking forward to going into next season. Is just kind of all being on the same page, not really knowing what's going to happen, and that's assuming that the sixth book doesn't come out before then. It could. Uh, Very well but could. it's just uh, it's nice to not necessarily know what's going to happen. And I think that th- that brings back a level of excitement for the quote-unquote sullied to experience things alongside the unsullied and, and just kind of wait with bated breath, not know whether or not your favorite character is going to make it through. Bring it on. But we do have uh, – some business to attend to here. The the last owns of season five that were submitted to to us by you all, the listeners, and uh, I'm sure they uh, they are up to par. I'm sure they are going to blow us away and far outdo our owns as they usually do each and every week. <sighs> Alas, the time is now. We're dragging the satchel every which way. <laughs> Hopefully, this is it, ladies and gentlemen. It. We're now diving into Woo. what is the definitive owns <laughs> of season five. Of season five. It. Cue the Zelda music in five, four, three, two, one. Who's that? Jamie fucking Lannister. Names too common. Tweets. My own of the season goes to John for hard home. And because he may not be back. But really, it's for the Night's King. Mm-hmm. Two parts ride tweeted from pushing poop through holes <laughs> in a box to becoming Danny's BFF, Tyrion, owned season five. Yeah, yeah. Andrew Ifold says, My season own goes to the Queen of Thorns, Elena Tyrell. She stole every scene she was in. Hashtag does not mince words. Nope. Alex Panic at widespread panic, <laughs> which I love <laughs> on Twitter. Owns to the writers for adding cock merchant and perfumed ponce to my vocabulary this season. Some much needed humor this year. Yes. Uh, Steven Hauser tweets, my first ever own, hey, goes to Grayscale since it's the herpes of Westeros. Uh, Hashtag the gift that keeps on giving. Oh no. At Wooly Dub, my own of the season goes to Littlefinger. He is so far ahead in the game that no one else, sans Sansa, even knows he's playing. And in the words of Game of Thrones, I say to you, Jason Walcott, don't you lay a finger on my little finger. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we got San Sansa from Jason Walcott. We got don't lay a finger on my little finger from you, Zach. I would say that's a very successful tweet on that. Bronleth Hill at Pope Bron Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Tweets to us, owner of the season to Braun for showing off his baseball skills in this fight. Going from hashtag Randy Bronson to hashtag Barry Bronze. <laughs> Where does he come up with this stuff? <laughs> He's a genius and a scholar. We love you. Willem High on Twitter. My own has to go to the High Sparrow. His chats with Olena and Cersei were something to behold. He now owns King's Landing. Hey. Yes, he does. And the man of the hour, Jeff Lightfoot, tweets to us, Part 1. My season 5 own goes to Theon. Never has a character said so little, but been so compelling. I hope Andre the Giant slash Fessig from The Princess Bride is there to catch him and Sansa. Hashtag anybody want a peanut. We heard from our good friend Roz, who's still hanging around on Twitter despite being crossbowed in the show. Yes. Uh, my owns of the season go to Theon for becoming okay. Theon again. Yay. 
Balin for surviving the War of the Five Kings. That's dot, true. dot, dot. <laughs> he did yes. not survive. Uh, dot, dot, dot. Mance Raider for never backing down. Fat Walda for surviving, in spite of all bets. Uh, dot, dot, dot. And to the nameless harpy who shanked his dar, thus ridding us all of a Lionel <laughs> Richie shaped knot. I bet he didn't even have to do that. He was just like, ah, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Mud Pancakes, which is an interesting <laughs> name. That sounds At delicious. Lucky underscore Lunchbox says, Salise, all your books and you still don't know. Ooh. Hashtag ouch. C dot. <laughs> My own goes to the Night's King for literally being the coolest motherfucker in Westeros. Yeah. Pretty cold up there. He's a pretty chill guy. (laughs) Swimming chicken (laughs) at Bistromath 2013. Quote, does he ever shut up? Oh, Tyrion. Doug Stevens tweeted in, has to be Night's King who gets my own better than Danny in acquiring an army. That's true. We'll see. He's got a pretty flawless practice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was pretty Jeez. cool, I guess. And uh, Andrew Doris says, My own for the entire season is Tyrion owning every conversation he ever had. We heard from Andy Robillard, who says, Own of this season is me. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Andy gave the own to himself. He says, Keep saying enough already, yet keep coming back for more. Ah. Hashtag turn off the box. Hashtag Arya kills the watch. Hmm. We heard from our friend Wend the White Fawn. Uh, who says, my own of the season goes to Brienne and Drogon for their major impacts despite their minor screen time. Hashtag, please, sir, can I have some Moa? Mm. Wenda also wrote in with the Friends Own of the Season, which says, uh, Friends Own of the Season goes to Hardhome for an icy overshadowing of the Dance of Drogon. Episode 8 is the new Episode 9. Bold statement, but appears to be true. Bevan Boychuk, our good friend, wrote in and says, Own to Meister Eamon for outliving what feels like 47 kings. Almost as old as I am. <laughs> Egg. A dream. Gord Theobald says, My own goes to Jon Snow for stealing all the season's awesome in one swing of Longclaw. That's true. That was a badass kill shot. Good swing. And Jess Star at Jess the Square on Twitter says, Seeing Tyrion get to meet Danny. There were only a few scenes, but they were brilliantly scripted, honest, and moving. Definitely. Agreed. Definitely. Beautiful. Anton Falk tweets, Go on, do your duty. They somehow managed to fuck Stannis' character for seasons, only to end him with his truest moment. Oh. Bobby Bentley, Night's Kings, come at me, crow. He didn't actually say that, but if he did, no, maybe he it would have sounded like It's a very like popular meme. Was... <laughs> <laughs> he may as well. It was implied. Sky Taga, Own has to go to the King White Walker for showing us that no longer winter is coming, but it is here. Hashtag get the parka. Hashtag head south. Head south. Get the parka. Get the parka. Get to the parka. Shara Stoneheart. My own goes to Game of Owns for another great offseason. Aww. Aww. Valor Morgonas. Valor Morgonas. That was really nice. Nicolette Sands says, Own goes to Cersei, who finally got so consumed with taking the Tyrells down that she took herself down with them. Mm. Now... Crush those religious fanatics that call themselves sparrows. <laughs> Tommen, please grow a pair and get ready for Clegane Bowl. Hashtag Ooh, get hype. Clegane Bowl. That sounds amazing. I want tickets to that. <laughs> yeah, please. Judd Blevins. Own to Gilly for having a baby that three seasons later is still a newborn. <laughs> baby doesn't age. Oh, that's that's oh. perfect. That's yes. well done, Judd. Well done. Brilliant. Landry Barbary Nets. My first own for the season goes to the Game of Owns cast for keeping uh, me laughing at and thinking about 
and enjoying Game of Thrones on a much higher level this year. My second own goes to the Night's King, who showed us all what a true necromancing pimp looks like. <laughs> That's what they look like. Our friend Anthony Runyon owned to the High Sparrow and the Faith Militant. They owned everyone in King's Landing. The Lannisters, check. The Tyrells, check. Baelish and his brothel, mm-hmm. check. The former High Septon, yes. check. Mm-hmm. King Tommen, check. And let's not forget all those innocent barrels of ale and wine. Never forget. Check. Pour one out for the barrels of ale and wine. And great Nitska Kiki. Mm. Does that sound good? Yeah. Or either that or I completely butchered it. Owner of the season goes to that epic but very disturbing stare-off between the Night's King and Jon Snow. Yes. Because what we once thought was so important, i.e. the ongoing battle of who will sit on the Iron Throne, i.e. the Game of Thrones, in that moment became irrelevant. Quote, I want to fight for the side that fights for the living. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Jon Snow forever. Raises wand. Bridget <laughs> <laughs> uh, McNeese wrote in and said, I can't believe I'm saying this because it feels so wrong. But I give my own for the season to Stannis Baratheon for managing to go from being a loved character after his touching scene with Shireen to being one of the most hated characters when he allowed her to be sacrificed. Not many characters can boast to having achieved such a feat before. Hashtag Stannis, not the man. Well done. I do agree. There's polar opposites of our feelings for, for that that one man. Not the man. Do your duty. Jose Quintero, own of the season, goes for me to Leanna Mormont. Ha-ha. Micah, nice. he's echoing your own. Quote, Bear Thanks, Island, Jose. There's no king, but the king in the north, whose name is Stark. Mm-hmm. Hashtag the north remembers. Bob Willicky, my own goes to Varys. Anyone else think it was rather convenient that he popped up <laughs> as soon as the violence ended in the fighting pits? Hmm. Hashtag Varys is the sons of Harvey. Oh dang, no. Bob! Bob, wine blown. What are you doing, uh, Bob? <laughs> Paige Southall says my owns. Oh, they're bulleted. Very nice. <laughs> the nameless, faceless harpy who shanked his dar, thus saving Dario a job. Yep, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, second use of shanked in uh, in an own of the season. I mean, uh, he was pretty, he was shanked. That's fair. Balin Greyjoy for beating the odds <laughs> and winning the War of the Five Kings. Yep. Okay. Biomission, biomission. King Stannis Baratheon for being the dead parrot of the finale. He isn't pining for the fjords. He's, He's dead. dead. <laughs> And finally, to Pixie Sands boobs for being the best thing <laughs> in the Dordish plot. Oh, Paige. <laughs> well, you said it, Paige. Yes. And Oscar Murillo. My own goes to Bran for keeping an eye on things. Look for the raven. <gasps> huh. Lenny Enzavino. Own goes to the Night King who rendered the previous 47 episodes irrelevant with one simple gesture. <laughs> Justin Vansicle. My own for the season has to go to J.R. Martins. That's... That's uh, <laughs> Tolkien childhood. Hashtag melted army men. Hashtag kill the ants. Hashtag hold smash. Second one goes to this podcast for allowing the fans to have some fun. Well done, guys. Hey. Hey, Justin. <clears throat> thanks for having fun with us. It is fun. Ashaya Arrington. Or Asha Arrington, whichever. Own, uh, own of the season to that one beautiful marine prostitute who has turned out to be the most treacherous whore of them all, betraying every man she has ever been with to the Sons of the Harpy. Hashtag treacherous. Hashtag the real harpy. Hashtag you have it coming, sis. Huh. Israel Gat. Own of the season to the Night's King for the best bring it on, bitch. Stare in history of Westerners. <laughs> hashtag I can raise the dead. Can hashtag your move. Your move, Jon Snow. Jenny Nolf, my own for the season, goes to Sansa for having to put up with Ramsay. 
tried to tear her down, and instead she rose up and not only stayed alive and strong, but also brought Theon out of his reek persona. Mm-hmm. She is truly the star of the season, and I'm very interested to see where her journey goes. Broken tailbone, for sure. <laughs> Landing on her yeah. Jeremy Kimball, my own of the season, goes to Sir Bronn of the Blackwater, because he went from getting wed to a highborn to then going with Jamie and teaching him to fight, to then almost dying via poison, and then getting to show off them pipes to get the cure. Damn pipes, and then though. even still has the chance of banging a sand snake. Now that's owning a season. <laughs> I guess that is owning a season. Over on Movie Proud. Like. Adam Epp says my own goes to hard home for making my life better. Yep. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Good Margot Holton Graybill. I've said it once and I will say it again. Drogon. I choose you. Enters in a burst of dragon flame. Woo. Nice. Hashtag own of the season. Hashtag dragon drogon own. Not bad. Dragon drogon own. Mm. Say that five times fast. Dragon drogon own. Dragon I know Eric would. Jen Wyman <laughs> on Facebook. My own goes to sneaky Dornish poison affecting everyone, be they big, the mountain, or small, Marcella. Yeah. And Michael Lane says own to Tormund for admitting his cross on Jon Snow. <laughs> Quote, he's prettier than both my daughters. That's that's beautiful. Christine Wood says Theon and Sansa get the own for just having watched Miranda explode and still jumping off the side of Winterfell to get away from Ramsay. Yeah. Hashtag you know it's bad when dot dot that's dot. That's true. John Davis, my own goes to the writers and directors of season five. You made us elated, scared, and furious. You made me want to turn off the show, but we couldn't because we had to know what is going to happen next. Thanks for another amazing season. We got another goo one, Cesar Juarez. Cesar Cesar Juarez says, own to Micah, when Eric invented Clapter. There you go. You invented your own word. (laughs) He's like, there you go. You invented your own word. (laughs) Yeah, you made it. Enjoy. You achieved what you were looking for. Own, uh, oh, and then Cesar uh, does send in a, a, a season own. Own to Stupid Ollie for deceiving John and me and several others. With his lie about Benjen. Like Eric said, fuck you, HBO. Did I say that? <laughs> you did. <laughs> yes. you, you definitely did. Okay. You definitely did. It made right. the cut as well. Ah, uh, well, that's <laughs> even more shocking. Because it was meant in an endearing way. It's an endearing way. <laughs> well, I'm glad that uh, that was able to embody some of what you were feeling, so yes. that is why we do what we do. Gareth Hook, owned to the Night's King. Every story needs a villain, and he or it is certainly a few levels above Voldemort. Eamon Goth. Ow, from Schindler's List. Jigsaw. Lotso from Toy Story. <laughs> wow. And Emperor Palpatine. Yeah, Lotso fits in with that. Lotso group. is wow. totally in that demographic. I totally haven't watched it yet. <laughs> you haven't seen Toy Story 3? No. Zach, stop podcasting I know, right I now know, and go and I watch Toy Story 3. Ah, okay. That really brings me down. Okay, but anyway, the <laughs> Leones must go on. Gareth Hook continues to say not only is he a badass mother bitch, okay. he also has managed to inspire some of the best of I and F theories I have seen regarding the others. Katya Price says my own of the season goes to Jon Snow for killing the White Walker. That fight was epic and the stare down afterwards creepy as hell. The show, sorry Jon Snow, must go on. And so shall these tweets. Alright, they're not tweets. Well, oh, Facebook book. Squirrels uh, upon our wall. Close enough. Alex Black writes, my own goes to Daenerys, who after five seasons ended up right back where she started. Hashtag must go back 
to go forward. Prophecy. Randy Getz, my own, would have been seeing Sansa jam that corkscrew all the way into Ramsey's ear. Um, that would have been a good one. That would have yeah. been a good one. Chris Mithril, I was going to give my own of the season to Tyrion for switching places with Cersei as the Lannister most covered in filth. <laughs> However, after the discussion on the last podcast, I was reminded of Varys' season two riddle about a king, priest, rich man, and a common sellsword. Chris says, my own goes to season two Varys as his riddle became real in this season's struggle between Queen Cersei, the rich Tyrells, the holy high sparrow with the bell septa filling the sellsword role. Shame. Huh. Chris Michelle Halcom. I'm interested if this is a uh, joint account that you share with your spouse, or if your name is just Chris Michelle, please let us know on next season's Own of the Season episode. Game of, <laughs> Game of Thrones season own... Wait the entire ten weeks during the season to tell us. <laughs> Game of Thrones season own goes to Tyrion. He went from being a runaway murderer who had to push his shit out of a box to being in charge of a great city and possibly future hand of the queen. My own for the Goo podcast, uh, season five, was when Eric like was these. doing his impression of Stannis' scream using the Family Guy skit. After about ten seconds of that sound, Zach, that's me, he'll do that all day. Eric, that's, that's the, joke. the joke. Micah, it's not a joke. It's fucking annoying. <laughs> and I think, was that the one where we were sitting right next to each other, too? I'm pretty sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sharing the, the microphone in almost the same chair. Kim Colm says, my own goes to David and Dan for making this the season of bromance. Tyrion and Varys, Jamie and Bronn, Dario and his Dar, okay, John and Tormund, Ramsey and Reek, Loris and some spare blonde dudes. Olivar, come dude. on now. Oh, Kyburn and Franken Mountain. Yeah. Hashtag everyone has someone. Hashtag Ollie still has no good, one. Good. Good. Oh my god. Good. Hashtag <laughs> always a bridesmaid. <laughs> Sorry, Kim. You'll get married one day. Well done, Kim. That was the best takedown of Ali I've read so far. <laughs> yeah, yes. Jeff true. Tuttle. Own goes to Ali for making this the most talked about off-season so far. Not every character has the utmost importance, but an important character can come from anywhere. Jeff. That sounds kind of like a riddle. I like Jeff. the way it's worded. Oisin Doyle. My own of the season goes... The double D's for writing this season so that Bran was left out just as his plot got to its most interesting point yet, so that we could vomit in our mouths just a little bit every time. <laughs> uh, just so that we could vomit in our mouths a little bit every time there was a Dorn scene. <laughs> Read it! <laughs> Hashtag shit snakes. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag Alaria shit. <laughs> hashtag shame. That's not fair. Alaria shit. <laughs> it's loopy. We've reached that the point of loop returns. Uh, I'm never be able to unsee this. <laughs> All right, Brandon Caton. Oh, the high sparrow gets my own of the season. From a commoner to the high septon in one yeah. season, he owned everyone in King's Landing. <laughs> What's Gucci Hayden? Egg and Uncle Benjamin gets the own for staying out of the drama. Yeah. Kind of. What's Gucci? And Manny Amini. Owns of the season go to Varys. Whose head grows larger somehow every season. Uh, 
Hashtag secret Targaryen dragon egg. (laughs) (laughs) Holy crap. Mind blown. (laughs) Let's just say that. Hello, old friend. Mace Terrell, whose incredible mustache was outdone only by his outstanding singing voice. Hashtag growing strong in song. I agree. I agree. Even from snakes. All the way from <laughs> Bravos, he was able to to direct his very growing chain of department stores that sell hardware. I yes, love you, Mace. Mace Hardware. You're a good man. The Sand Snakes and whatever the hell their purpose was this season. <laughs> Hashtag, we wanted a good story, but we needed a bad plot line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the gloves have come off, finally. Oh, wow. Unpleasant Odors gets an own. Jorah and his never changed or washed shirt. <laughs> And Franken Mountain yeah. and his rotting flesh stuffed in a suit of yeah. armor. Hashtag smell you later. Yeah. I, I mean, I've had a cast, but imagine later. that. Jane Choi own goes to cast and crew of Game of Thrones and HBO. This show actually gains more and more viewers, legit yeah. and illegit kinds, every single year. 20 million. Yeah. Come at me, crow. Zach Skogset says my own goes to the House of Black and White and the Faceless Men. Hashtag infinite free Costco samples. Worth it. Yep. Worth it. <laughs> Jasmine M. Alvarado, my own goes to every moment a dragon acted like a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag why are we locked up when Drogon did it? Hashtag ouch mom that hurt. Hashtag let me sleep. And the final own of season five. Wow. Here we oh, are, we guys. Wrap. We've reached it. From Ashley Green Richardson. How can I choose one? Well, we we had the same problem, actually. Yeah. yeah. I'm torn between all the awesome Drogon moments, yeah. Long Claw's epic kill, <laughs> and pretty much all of Episode 8. But if I have to choose one moment, though, I have to pick this line. Hey. I dreamed that I was old. Well done, listeners. Well done. You know, these owns that we just read are a perfect summary of the season that we've just reached a, a close for. You know it was successful when your insides are hurting, and boy are my insides and my face hurting. I think it's just from these hashtags. <laughs> yeah, it's been a very special season. Micah uh, took the reins in live-tweeting uh, the episodes this year, which was incredibly fun. And uh, just in general, the Sunday nights were, were – you guys remember how crazy they were this year? Just nuts. No, I mean this was the season when I was at a party watching the show every episode um, with a group. There was no episode I watched alone. Just getting everybody's reaction, seeing how, how different a setting it was, plus with how different the season was like we talked about before. It was a really cool experience. Yeah, absolutely. And and I enjoyed the live tweeting. I enjoyed you know, seeing the owns pour in throughout – the course of the episode, people didn't wait. They just once they had the itch, once they had the idea, yep, yep. once they had the hashtag, they were uh, yeah. sending them in, and uh, just a lot of fun interacting with the community and getting to know uh, some of our listeners through social media. Hopefully, get the opportunity to meet them in person uh, in Orlando in a couple of weeks. I know some of them will be there, so uh really looking forward to to that i don't want to i don't want to be final now you know i don't want to do it we've mm-hmm. got 
We've got plenty of time for finality, if that makes any sense. These were just your owns of the season. We're only done with season five, guys. We're not done with everything. So now is not the time to be sad. All right, we've got a live show in a few weeks. Like, this train is slowing down. Think again, friends. (laughs) There's a bit of a summer break. There's lots of traveling involved. My dog has been shedding for weeks, (laughs) which means that some of my hair has been falling out as well. Uh, It's just just been a really uh, functionally awesome time uh, surrounding what we've been able to grow with this podcast. And it's all thanks to you who have been interested enough to, to start listening or who have been interested and dedicated enough to listen for all of these years and help build this really, really awesome and interactive community, which is unlike anything I've ever seen. And that, that's coming from someone uh, who has spent his entire life doing this sort of thing. Absolutely. I mean, the, the social aspect of this show, how you know... <laughs> I know so many people who are watching it too and and just being able to talk with them sort of the water cooler gossip that happens after every morning it's not slowing down and there are now more ways to see the show and catch the show and it's just it's it's something that's only going to increase uh, as the show goes on. Well there are a number of ways that listeners can get in touch with our show. We mentioned a few of them when we were going through owns of the season. Of course there is Twitter. Twitter.com slash Game of Owns. Facebook, Facebook.com slash Game of Owns. And there's a good old email if you feel like uh, connecting with us the old-fashioned way. Mm. Contact at Game of Owns.com. We look forward to uh, hearing from you on any number of topics. You know, feel free to write in about Season 5 or as we uh, get ready to dive back into our reading of A Storm of Swords. We'll, of course, be putting out uh, all that information on Twitter and Facebook, and you can send in your thoughts, your owns, your theories. Everything is welcome. We're looking forward to getting back into our uh, on-season. Yeah, this is this is a really exciting time. I know that it, we, we've had so many discussions with this with uh, our small council through Patreon and also just amongst ourselves about how exactly we're going to approach everything. And this was before we knew all that Season 5 would give us, so... Now that we know where season five has left us, and now that we know how that directly affects our, our, our read-through. I'm looking forward also to really diving back into A Storm of Swords. Last we left, Arya took a blow to the back of her head from Ouch. the axe of one Sandor uh, Clegane. I can't wait till we have more Hound! Yes, <laughs> finally! Yes. Things are going to get interesting. We've got a lot of book to get through. We've got a lot of books to yeah. get through mm-hmm. before... Winds of Winter comes around. Do yourselves a favor, the listening loyal, gather your belongings, join us. Back to the books where characters we've loved and lost are still alive. Yes, and so uh, we don't know what awaits Arya since she was just uh, clobbered on the head outside of the twins. She has, of course, learned the fate of both Rob and Catelyn, and we can only assume that word of this is going to begin spreading throughout the realm Tyrion is the next chapter that we will be reading. It's always uh, a good place to go to after such uh, drastic events is to read a Tyrion chapter because inevitably there'll be at least a laugh or two. So don't worry. We'll be here to fill that hound-shaped hole in your heart. I believe men of talent have a part to play in the war to come. (laughs) 